that comes through your word. We bless you. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. And we adore you. And we thank you, Father, for blessing us to know you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. So uh, we're in our book, um, Angels to Help You. Chuck, see if somebody needs one. And uh, if somebody needs a book, uh, go ahead and grab this one. And uh, uh, it's a good book to study, you know, and to continue with. Uh, we have a visitor. Thank you very much. Oh, we don't have any more books. Well, isn't that wonderful? Praise God. So, all right. So, somebody share with our visitor. So, she's not feeling like we don't love her. We love you. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. <clears throat> so, anyway, um, in, on page 40 is where we are. Amen. Page 40. Praise God. And we're talking about how angels minister to those who are called to be heirs of salvation. And that's you and that's me. We, we get an understanding from that definition of what angels do, that they were present in our lives helping us before we came to know the Lord. You know, when you're called to be saved, God sees you as saved uh, already because he knows you're going to accept the Lord. So if you're going to accept the Lord, you've got to be around to accept him. So the ministry of angels, many times we can trace into our early years before we came to know Christ. I know, I, I know angels have ministered to help me over the years many times, you know, children. Uh, get in trouble when they're small or they might have accidents or things like that that can really take them out of here and I know that many times God spared my life uh, so that I could come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved it's always good to intercede for people when they have difficulties in life uh, because that can spare them uh, a great trouble and, and can ensure that the plan of God in their lives will be fulfilled and so that's what we want. We want God's plan to be fulfilled in each and every life that, that comes into the world. So I noticed uh, some people, uh, the people in the uh, anti-abortion movement uh, use this slogan that said, everybody who is against abortion has already been born. You got me? And so it's, it's kind of telling on, on humanity. Uh, the things that can happen to life before it even gets here. And so after it gets here, it's always good to intercede for people because God does have angelic help for us. And it is great help because it's dispatched definitely from God and operates supernaturally to make sure that our needs are met. So uh, Brother Summerall here is talking about the um, one of the main ministries of angels is to convey information to us from God. Now that does not mean that we have permission to worship angels if we uh, ever have an angel in our midst. In fact, angels who receive man's worship are not from God. Amen. Amen. And so that's one way that you can tell if they uh, let you adore them and, and give them a lot of attention. And, and angels oftentimes 
have very short ministries among humanity. They'll come with a message, and after that message is dispatched, then they disappear. And because they exalt the Lord and they don't compete with him or try to take his place in in man's uh, thinking, it's often that people will um, boast about their supernatural experiences. It's easy to get over into bragging about, you know, God told me this, or I saw that, or I had a vision, or I had a dream. And so when you start to put all that together, you'll understand the limitation on the angel's ministry because God does not want us to tempt us to worshiping uh, incorrectly when he's trying to help us. So he wants to help us 100% and not interfere with, with uh, our worship, uh, our service of worship to him and allowing him to be God and him to speak to us and do all the things that only God can do. So he says one of the main ministries of angels to human beings is to convey information from God to us. We have already looked at a few cases in which angels served as God's messengers. When angels spoke to the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar in a dream, and when Gabriel prophesied the births of John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus. So they, they began uh, to announce certain things that were to take place in the earth. Uh, these things must be announced so that God's people can be prepared to cooperate with God. Many times, if we don't understand God is in something and understand it definitely, we will resist it or fight against what God's doing in the earth. There are a lot of people that don't believe uh, President Trump uh, is called of God to do what he's doing. So then the people who received prophecy... Uh, I've read the prophecy and I've heard it announced and I've heard different people uh, minister out of it. And I believe it is from God because it came to pass. That's one of the ways. That's an obvious, you know, <laughs> you know, you can't fight what God's doing based on who you think ought to be in the job. And so this has become uh, a plumb line for Christians in this age. And so the only thing I can tell you is stay on the right side of the plumb line. Because if you can accept some prophecies from God and reject some, you probably won't be accepting the right. It's like this. If, if I tell you that God's going to bless you and give you this, that, and the other, and you know this God, you get a witness in your spirit, not because you like the way it sounds, but God witnesses in your spirit that this is God speaking. That same witness will witness every time God speaks. You got me? And so you have to go by the inner witness. You can't go by these ears and what you think about the person and, and what Rachel Maddow says about them or... CNN or anybody else on television uh, says, you must go by the inner witness. And you never know how God is going to test his people. This is the whole thing. You, you, you can't tell God how to work his program because he knows what he's doing. 
And so when God comes in and starts to pronounce things and announce things, he must make sure that his plans will be carried out. So he would, with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, he used the angel Gabriel to announce his coming. And so in order to ensure that his God's plan came about, he had to silence some people who would work in doubt and against his plan. Zacharias, John's father, was struck dumb until the day that John was born. You got me? And so you have to go by what you witness on the inside. You can't go by and see what God is doing. He's separating out the bride from the carnal church. So if you're going to, if you're the bride of Christ, you go with him no matter which way he goes, you know, politically, socially, you know, if God doesn't make you a millionaire, when he says go with him, you go with him, you know, no matter where he goes. When I was married, my husband and I, I, I had a profession, he had one. And we were kind of getting a little competition sometimes about who was going to advance and all this kind of stuff. But when I became a Christian, I laid that down. And I realized God put him as the head of the household. And I had to go where he went no matter what. And most of y'all remember when we moved to Detroit, I was a kicking and a screaming and rebuking the devil and making y'all pray with me and I was coming back home and I wasn't going to stay long at all. And so 10 years later there I was still in Detroit. You got me? And so we have to respect the will of God. We have to respect the word of God. We have to accept that God's wisdom is above the wisdom of the world. And when we find ourselves leaning toward worldly wisdom, we've got to straighten ourselves up and say, I don't care what's going on here, God, I'm with you. Show me the way. Amen. And so you got to understand God's way and he wants his people to go his way. And anybody who doesn't go his way, they just suffer the consequences. You got me? I don't know what, what's coming for people who still hang on to these old political ways and all this nonsense and want to dredge up old feelings and old past injustices and all this. But I know God has called his people to love and to peace above all other things. So I choose the way of love and peace and not some false justice that people think they're working down there. I don't have time for that because I serve a God of justice. He will vindicate the innocent. He will acquit the guilt, the innocent every single time. And, and he's Lord of all. What, who am I to argue with the plan of God in the earth? So the best we can do as believers, and I'm just telling you, you better side with God. You better find out what, where God is. If you disagree in your head, ask him to purify your thoughts and your heart and everything else that needs to be done. The way we do when with certain people we don't like, you know, in our heart, in our lives, in the church, wherever we are, you get on your knees and God straighten me out and help me to accept your will. And that's the way it's done. It's always done that way. We know from church history 
that it is a common uh, fault of the church to fight a move of God when it comes in because it doesn't come like we think it's supposed to. Got me? You know, traditionally, the same people that pray in the move of God will fight it when it shows up. Because when you pray, you have in mind who you think God is supposed to put in charge of things and who you think is the one supposed to run everything. And when that does not happen, then you fight the move of God because you're determined that you're going to be right and God don't know what he's doing. That's true. Because, see, God has to shake all the world off of us continually. If you got worldly ideas about, you know, uh, black, white, green, purple, uh, uh, sexual, homosexual, homophobic, I don't care what you got. If your thoughts line up with the world, you're going to be proven as to what you believe. You got to, you'll be challenged to let it stand up against God's word. And that's what God, when we say he's cleansing the church, that's what we mean. We don't mean he's making you quit fornicating. That, but some other things too. We've all got little pet devils we keep around us that we like to pet. Little pet ideas we think are supposed to reign supreme and all this kind of stuff. God's making us get rid of all our our little pets and, and golden calves and sacred cows and all that kind of stuff. And just go along for the ride. Because honestly, I don't know what God's doing either. But I know one thing I know about the inner witness that tells me this is the way walk ye in it. Amen. So go this way. Don't go that way. Go this way. Amen. And so we keep going the way of God. And to be honest with you, I count it a privilege to have understood prophetically what God was doing before it came to pass. I've been praying for these days to come where we would see the word of the Lord be prophesied and then see it come to pass and watch it change the world like it's supposed to. You know, you may you may think we're called to change the world. It's not going to happen like you think. It's going to happen without your little handprints on it. Amen. So we will be instruments of God in any change that comes about. But we're going to see the changes that we want to see. The whole earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the seas and nothing less. You got me? I don't care how God does it. I'm just going to want to be around here to see some of it. Amen. And not be found fighting it. That's what you don't want to be found doing. Amen. So they give us messages. Talk to King Nebuchadnezzar in a dream. Then Gabriel prophesied the birth of John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this was all done through the ministry of angels. There have been many times when men have needed messages from God and angels have delivered them. Consider, for example, the enormous burden that rested on the shoulders of Moses as he undertook the leadership of God's people. They needed commandments for one thing because they didn't know how to live. They needed some order. They needed some rules. They needed something to discipline their lives. And so uh, so they needed commandments for one thing so that they would know how to live lives pleasing to God. And that's what you want to do. Now, above all things, we want to please God, folks. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's nice if, if you can please men, too, but that ain't the top of your list. 
top of your list is pleasing God. Amen. You want peace with men, and God says if your ways please him, he'll cause men to be at peace. They will quit messing with you if you please the Lord. Hmm? So they knew how to, they would know how to live lives pleasing to God. Angels had some part in that. Exactly what we don't know, for we read that the nation of Israel received the law by disposition of angels. Amen. So angels, there, there had to be angelic help for Moses to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible talks about Jesus doing the same thing, going up into the wilderness. And they said angels sustained him. Amen. They would come and minister to him, encouraging him, not letting him, speaking into his ear, not letting his soul go bonkers for lack of nourishment. You got me? And so these are things that are, are they come and strengthen us. Amen. They come and help us and encourage us. He says here also prophets such as Daniel and Zechariah were given visions that they could not interpret by their own wisdom. So God used angels to explain these visions. In Daniel 7, if you'll turn there so you can see the example for yourselves, it's always good to, to you know, read these things so you can, sometimes God will speak some things to you uh, that will edify and, and build up what you know. So it's just good to... To always understand what God's doing by looking at the words yourself. In Daniel 7, start in verse 11. It says, Then I continue to watch. Because of the boastful words the horn was speaking, I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was then given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. This is one thing that you must get when you get spiritual information. You must also get a spiritual interpretation. I see people doing some very unique and unusual and non-scriptural things with quote-unquote visions and dreams. Uh, you know, people say, well, God dream this, you know, what does that mean? Am I God? You understand what I'm saying? You ask God that question, what it means. And if it is God and it means something, you'll get an answer. But don't be determined that that's God and then go shop around and ask 15 people 
for a meaning of something that you need to take it back to the author of it so that he can interpret it for you. You know, these things are really simple. It's like if somebody sent me a note in Spanish, I wouldn't go to somebody who just speaks French to interpret it. Oh, somebody speaks Spanish. So if you're getting something from God, go to the author of what it is that you're trying to interpret. That's always your best source. And he said, he asked them the meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. And so we know that he, uh, Daniel received the interpretation about the four beasts and the, the uh, things that are coming toward the time of the end. And so we have evidence here that when God begins to pour out knowledge and information, he gives the interpretation If it's God, if there's no interpretation, don't keep picking at it. You got me? Sometimes we just dream. Sometimes we just, you know, sometimes we hallucinate. (laughs) Listen, I went and worked in a mental hospital and was a patient, you know, both sides. But uh, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of real fantastic stories out here to be told and a lot of and I I feel bad when the church gets a hold of false stuff like this because the Bible talks about in Hebrews it it talks about uh, in sundry times in various seasons God spoke to us through his prophets and so forth and so but in these last times he has spoken to us through his son so the best place to get your information is the word of God You know, when God gave me the the prayer manual to write, you know, he gave it to me supernaturally over a period of about a month. I would sit for just a few hours and write, 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 and one revelation after another came. But I didn't share that with anybody or put it anywhere until I checked the Bible to see if what I was getting was scriptural. Even though in my heart I knew a lot of it was the word, I had to make sure that this revelation was coming through the scriptures so that it would be valid. Other than that, I scrapped the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm not hot to just write books and be somebody and blow up and all that kind of nonsense. You know, I, I, I try to keep it before God as something holy and something precious and, and respect you all. I got to respect y'all to to come in and and give you understanding, give you knowledge, and give you that kind of stuff. You have to respect people. You have to want to do right by them and give them things that will definitely help them so that if they follow it, it'll work for them. They'll get the results of God. Amen. You just don't make stuff up because you got it from somebody and, and, yeah, they sold a bunch of books when they said this. I'm not interested in that. I'd love to sell a lot of books, but if they don't sell, they don't sell. You understand what I'm saying? They'll help the people that they are for. And so we, we try as our best to be faithful over what God's given us, but we're not trying to pump it out there like, you know, get out there and be the great organizer of all all the prophets and, you know, all the apostles. I'm the chiefest of the chiefest of the chiefest of the chiefest of the chiefest. I'm chief, 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 chief. Well, he's a chief, and he's a chief chief, and he's a chief chief chief, but I'm a chief 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 chief. It's nonsense. Total nonsense. It ain't about that, folks. It's just about being his servant. 
And that's not a low place. That's a high place. Amen. So angels had have parts in these things. So uh, Daniel and Zechariah. So we have that example from Daniel when he asked the angel what he what the things that he was looking at meant. You must get an interpretation of things. Always go inward and ask God what he's speaking to you in certain situations. Uh, if you're insecure, that's a good place to be because everybody is almost when they get information from God. Now, after a period of time, you'll get more comfortable with the witness, but it's good even to leave it out there and get God to confirm it to you, that it is his word. And you'll find many times that God will, will repeat similar things or the same thing over and over again that he's saying you know with the voices because he wants his voice to be magnified and edified and and it is scriptural that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word is established some of these people who have started cult religions based on what they think was a visitation from an angel the one the most common one i know of is and recent is the mormon religion where uh, the a gentleman felt like he had gotten a visitation uh, from an angel uh, and, and he wrote down all this stuff. Well, he never got it confirmed with another witness. And if you're around a lot of immature, excited people, oftentimes they will tell you what you're witnessing. Now, it is proper for the body of Christ to confirm to one another what they hear and and whether or not it is of god you know what i'm saying i mean when we we first started the ministry we were all learning and and all young in the things of god but pretty much now if somebody says something i can look at maybe like seven or eight people that i know watch these things in the ministry and i could tell by y'all reaction it ain't flying or it is you understand what i'm saying you do and that's that's how that's how it's judged we are to put it before the body to be judged the prophets uh, particularly when you prophesy to be judged but because you are prophetic people your sons and daughters of prophets you're training in different phases of prophetic ministry you know how to get that witness in the spirit and if i see somebody sitting around looking funny or just putting their head down i say, this ain't flying too good so Let's pray, and it's going to be a long hour if somebody don't pray. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we have to understand that, that we are here to judge and off one another. That witness has to be there, you know. If I'm ever doubtful, I'll go after the meeting's over and ask somebody, what do you think? Hmm. You know, when I get that, they don't have to say much. You know, it's just when, when it's a witness, there'll be life there. When it's not a witness, there's no life there. So, you know, and, and this is it's good to be that way. You can't just sit up and get excited in the flesh and listen to something and run off with it. You have to be very, very discerning. And especially when you respect the Lord, you love God, you don't want to mess up and you want to do the right thing. It's always good to keep a heart like that. You know, keep that type of heart and keep that type of understanding. So, so in, it says in the Christmas story, we all know so well, the shepherds were informed by angels of the time and place of the birth of God's son. Angels give times and places and give times and seasons. 
Amen. And so can, can that happen now? Well, of course it can if God so deems. Sometimes he, if he knows the person that he gives a word to is a faithful person, He'll give it to a human being if he decides he wants to move that way. But if he decides that it needs to be locked up for a certain period of time, if it's information that is crucial, critical, pivotal, like the second coming of the Lord, no man knows. No man knows the hour. Nobody knows the date and time. All these people that keep sitting dates on the, oh, the earth is going to, we've had so many of those. You know, now millennial people are being told global warming is going to destroy the earth before they get a certain age. And so now you got to run after everybody and be the carbon, carbon footprint police. You know, make sure we all get electric cars. By a certain date or or the world's going to come to an end, you know, that kind of stuff. And so there have always been doomsday prophets released in the earth, and this, that one's no different. And so we, we have to know, though, that when God wants to get something done, he wants to get it in the earth, he'll get it in the earth. If he has to use angels to get it in the earth and get it in right without it being, you know, one of the problems with humanity is that we're still dealing with a certain level of flesh. You understand what I'm saying? Like, your your flesh man wants to be excited about the things of God, too. And we may not think so, but look at all the religious people out there in the world. They all want to, they all got to do something exciting in God, you know, outdo the last person that was doing something exciting in God. And so this is why God has to be careful and he has to be able to use angels when he deems it necessary because there are some things human beings just don't handle very well. You know, they they get off on it and get, like I was telling Pastor Shirley about Mark Taylor, I said, I see people now want him to give more prophecies and expand on, tell us what else is going to happen in the future, like fortune telling. So then we have to pray for him and keep his, uh, you know, the atmosphere around him pure, keep him around the right people, away from the wrong people, so that when he does carry something for God, It'll be right, you know, it won't be tainted and people don't pull and push and pull on him and get him to say certain things that eventually they want to hear. Those kind of things, once God's trusted you with certain things, you have to remain trustworthy, you know, so it's just, it's just that way. So, uh, it says that the angels came to inform the shepherds of the birth of God's son. Later, an angel warned Joseph To flee with Mary and the infant Jesus to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill Jesus. So I think when there's extreme warfare around certain events or when it's critical and pivotal that God's will be carried out, like the birth of his son, that was critical. I mean, I thank God Jesus was born. You got me? And so God has to be very, very careful who carries the information, how they carry it. And his, his most reliable servants are the angels. You know what I'm saying? Now, we're, we're servants according to the proportion of our faith. 
and according to our maturity. But angels are, are you know, foolproof. You know, he'll get the job done if he uses them. He's given us the job of preaching the gospel because we have a testimony that the angels don't have. You got me? And so our testimony has to do with how we live and how we live for God and what God has done for us. So angels don't have that testimony. So the spirit of prophecy to to uh, see somebody uh, receive from God is not on their words so much as it is on ours. We prophesy all the time. Anytime you can get up and say, uh, well, God, you know, heal my body or paid a bill he came through for me i was asking for something and it looked impossible and at the last minute he came through that kind of thing that's the spirit of prophecy so somebody who receives that it'll repeat in their lives you can call that up when you need it you got me and so when when you when you live like that then we can be a community of believers who edify and build up one another. We build up the body of Christ that way. So that's something, that's our job. But ministering and, and getting messages into the earth is God's job. And he will often use angels to do those things. Amen. There are many people who have seen visions. Especially you hear about it a lot now in a Muslim areas where they are receiving visions of christ coming to preach the gospel reveal himself to them well christ can be revealed through testimony for instance if i tell you you know i I was a a person who had mental illness and and jesus made me whole that's one level of testimony and, and people can receive from that and so there are many, many ways that God can can put life into people, you know, through their testimony. And so, but he does have to use angels sometimes to get things across to people. And so if, if you receive that, uh, Jesus made me whole because I, when I would get in the word, I would get help. And when I get in this, this, this that's a revelation of Christ. That's a revelation of Christ as your deliverer, your healer, the lover of your souls. And so that's all the Muslims get when he visits them. They get a revelation of Christ. They see him for real, you know, as he is right now. And so it's up to God how he wants to reveal himself to us. But all of these are revelations of the resurrected Christ. And so angels then will announce along those lines to to support what believers are doing. To get the work of the ministry done. An angel also had the joyous responsibility of announcing Jesus' resurrection to the women who came to his tomb on the first Easter morning. Now, during the Old Covenant, the ministry of angels was very, very strong at certain times. At pivotal times, like we say, they would show up. For instance, when Joshua was getting ready to lead Israel in their first battle at Jericho, because he was new on the job, he needed help. And so an angel appeared to him to tell him uh, which way to go and, and that he was there to help him. He was the angel of the Lord that was coming to assist him. The same thing can be said in in uh, New Testament, but it, how God dispenses angels is not outlined so so uh, so clearly as it was in the Old Testament. 
which leads me to think we've got a lot of surprises yet to experience in God because we know that angelic beings are there to assist us and to help us. We don't have to call on them, just believe God has help for us however he wants to send it and just know that God will send uh, help to us. So here uh, the women who were at Jesus' tomb came and saw angels there and so the writer says, imagine how those women felt as they received this news from such a marvelous source. So why don't we turn to Matthew chapter 28 and you'll be able to see the ministry of uh, uh, angels to seal up truth in the Old Testament. So because the Old uh, Testament would mark the end of of one dispensation of God and the new marked another one, you'll see angels used quite a bit because this kind of stuff was new to everybody. Amen. So Matthew 28, uh, verse 1, After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. So, you know, I don't know that you really want to be calling these kind of people around just on your own, you know, looking for them. Because their their appearance is is quite remarkable. I'll put it that way. Quite remarkable. And it says the guards were so afraid of him that they shook Uh, Let me see. Uh, His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. And they went, huh? Says, for I know that you're looking for Jesus. He knew what they wanted. You know, so God just saw the women approaching the tomb, sent an angel. He said, go down there and tell them so and so and such and such so he had an understanding of why they were there that's the nice thing about angels their assignment is so clear to them that they don't make mistakes they have full understanding a full disclosure about what it is that's needed in your life and what they're doing the other thing is that angels don't seem to have um Thing. The only thing I can say is a a stubborn will, like they want to argue with you or anything. They are very peaceful. They're, they come to put you at peace and just do what's necessary. They're 100% servants. I can put it to you, if I can put it to you that way. There are times where you'll have encounters with people and, and what the in, interaction was, was a little unusual or a little bizarre, or a little strange. And so that's the ministry of angels. I'll give you an example. I think I've shared this before. I was moving out of my house, and we had some movers to come and pack everything up, and they were dawdling around. You know, they sometimes people, when they're not supervised, <laughs> make you want to call their boss and tell them what took them three days, if they had worked straight through, was maybe a day and a half at most, so it was the last day, and they were disconnecting my refrigerator, 
and they didn't know how to cap. Now, this is to show you how incompetent sometimes people are. The water for the ice dispenser, they didn't know how to cap that off. And they were looking in the basement, looking in the basement. And so there, a man came to the door and was just standing there. I went up, you know, we were in the basement. I went back up, and there was a man standing there. And he looked wonderful. You know, I mean, he had on Levi's and a, a plaid shirt. He was slender, and he had, like, brown hair, and it was kind of wavy, but, you know, shoulder length and something. I said, are you an angel? He said, I'm from the water company. And I'm thinking now, we're having this problem. I called nobody. And the water company just shows up. And I said, I said, oh, I said, Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I've got so and so. He said, okay, I'll take care of it. Went downstairs, took care of it, came back up, said goodbye, and was gone. And so the the movers, the rough movers, it was like they didn't even think anybody was in the house. I mean, it was totally past their understanding. And they were doing their thing going on about their business and all this kind of stuff. And I kept saying, I know that was an angel. And they said, oh, it was an angel. He was so pretty. He was so handsome. You know, jealous little nasty stuff after he's gone. They didn't say that while my angel was there. huh? But, but the way they come in, do their job, don't argue with you, don't tell you they can't. Don't tell you call somebody else. They're on assignment. They get the assignment done, and when they're done, they leave. And so when you have encounters with, there's something about their presence that lets you know that they're too nice to be human. They're too unreal to be human. Humans don't have that reaction to you. With humans, you get involved in their soul and their will. You tell them you need something, and they think about it. This dude didn't think about it. He just went straight and did what he was supposed to do. So there's no soul entanglement. They don't have a stubborn will where they got to weigh things and decide if they want to help you or not. They just help you and go on about their business. Amen. And so that's part of what I know about it. That's my encounter that I'm certain was an angel. Amen. From what I have inside of me. So, and these things are hard to convince people of, hard to prove. But I can tell you when you need it. Now, people say, "Come on, turn it off some water." Really? Oh yeah, God will help you with that. Amen. If He has to send an angel to help you, Amen. The two stooges wasn't getting the job done, so. <laughs> I mean, it concerned me. And he perfects everything that concerns us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> so so there was the angel at the tomb with them in Matthew 28, 5 through 7. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Poof. Amen. 
And, and so they do what they're assigned to do. They don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Huh? Not like us. Sometimes when we get an audience, huh? like Bridget, he tusked her out. Huh? <laughs> All sometimes, you know how little kids are. They just need an audience. They'll tell everything and start making stuff up too. And so, you know, we, we got to not get involved in that. Amen. Imagine how those women felt as they received this news from such a marvelous being. As God has relayed information through angels and in these many other cases in the past, so he could provide information to you at some time of special need in the future. We don't know, of course, when God will choose to use that extraordinary means of communication. And we can find principles in the Bible to give general guidance to every decision and action. God still can supply information through angels. So, you know, even though we have a completed volume of scripture, uh, we still can, he can still use angels to help us in some way. In recent years, popular books by medical doctors and psychologists have attempted to establish the fact of life after death. So here we talk about angels in the uh, afterlife if, if they are active in those situations how much better it is to turn to the authoritative word of god for our answers and luke our lord himself related what happened at the deaths of a rich man and lazarus a beggar and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into abraham's bosom and so Abraham's bosom, that was a phrase they used for paradise at that time. He said, I love that. When my dear mother died, I believe she too was escorted right into the very presence of God and the saints who went before her by an angel. It is difficult and even dangerous to make a general statement from just one passage of scripture. But I like to think that all believers who die do receive that angelic service. It is true, you too, when you leave this earth and death, that the Lord delays his return, won't have to grope to find your way. You know how people say they went through a, a dark tunnel and saw a light at the end and all that kind of stuff? Well, we have the ministry of angels so that we're not lost in a tunnel somewhere. Amen. Amen. An angel will take care of those things for you. With great joy, he will take your soul from here to there. Angels bring judgment. We have examples in the Bible of times in which God used and will use angels to send judgment. One of these took place during the kingship of David, and it's frightening. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Apparently, David wanted to find out just how strong his military was. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel into Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord looked and he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, it is enough, now stay your hand. So God can use angels. Angels are very disciplined. Like this angel is carrying out one order and God changes the order and the angel reverses what he does. Amen. And not like people. We get to doing something, it get good to us. We don't care who say stop. You got me? <laughs> it just gets zoned out. But angels have great discipline to the voice of God. They will carry out whether it's, it, it's judgment 
and it's bad for people or whether it's sparing people. They must do the will of God. Very reliable about that. Even earlier in Israel's history, God used an angel to execute judgment on Egypt for Pharaoh's hardness of heart in refusing to allow Israel to leave. At the culmination of the various plagues God had brought on Egypt, he sent an angel of death, the destroyer, amen, we know him as Apollyon or the spirit of destruction, to kill all the firstborn in every Egyptian household. Now God had to get vengeance on Pharaoh for killing all the firstborn of Israel. Remember that? That's what started. He drew first blood. God always draws last blood. You got me? So, amen. God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. It doesn't matter how long it takes him to get the job done. Don't worry about God. He's taking care of things, okay? And it came to pass that another reason for the plagues was mercy on Egypt. Amen? So you need to look at those times when when Pharaoh, uh, everybody had lice in their homes. They had the frogs. They had the uh, Nile turned to blood. All of the plagues that God brought to Egypt were acts of power to show anybody looking that God had more power than the gods of Egypt did. So what God plans to do at all times is to convert people to know who he is. The Egyptians didn't know who God, his Hebrew folk didn't know who he was. They didn't really know how to serve him. Because Moses, when he meets God, God said, take your shoes off. What's wrong with you? You know who you talk to? Huh? And he didn't. So God had to teach Moses what was holy. Teach him how to respond in front of God. Teach him all of those things. It's one thing I know that Christians know in their heart, and that's how to respond to God. We may not do it right all the time, may not do it consistently sometimes. You know how you get in the mood, you don't want to talk to nobody or whatever, whatever. But you know how to respond to God because you have his spirit inside of you teaching you and instructing you well they didn't have that back in the old covenant and so god had to show them more with signs and wonders than perhaps we have in this dispensation even though he confirms his word with signs following people need to see something if you don't ever get to see the goodness of god you just him being good is just a rumor and so amen and so god works in these ways to reveal himself to us but he this was a mercy on egypt because we find out later when when the children of israel cross uh uh cross the red sea there's not all israelites coming with them people there was a lot of converted egyptians that were convinced that Israel was serving the right God and they want to go serve him too. Amen. So the way and the way they proved it was to submit to circumcision. It wasn't just a confession. Huh? Show me something is what the deal was. Amen. And so and amen and give God a token, a blood token of your loyalty. I mean, there was a lot of faith that had to be. You know, if, if the guy holding the knife, you know, was, didn't have his readers on. You had to trust God was guiding that blade. Amen. 
And so, and that's how they got, they got under the, the blood. They got under the covering of the blood of Jesus in a safe household that night because they, they submitted to circumcision. And so he sent an angel, a death destroyer, to kill all the firstborn in every Egyptian household. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. In the New Testament, we have an account of King Herod's speech that caused his audience to declare him a god, a declaration he did nothing to discourage. In response to that blasphemy, immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he did not give God the glory. Amen. So stealing the glory from God, letting people lift you up because you preached a good sermon or because you got a big church or something like that. huh? He was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. We also know that angels will be instruments of God's judgment on sinful humanity at the end times. In his parable of the wheat and tares in Matthew, Jesus said, The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. So at the end of the world, angels will come and harvest out the good versus the bad. The keepers versus the ones that get thrown into the lake of fire. That time of the great tribulation will be the grimmest hour the world has ever known. Jesus continued, the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend them which do iniquity and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And so the angels are those who will reap at God's end time and gather up those who are are heirs of salvation and have been faithful to God. The good, the good, the good wheat, the good uh, produce that God has produced, and the tares, or the ones that look like wheat. You know, a tear, they say, looks just like wheat while it's growing. But discernment helps the the reapers to figure out which ones. The tares are very bitter if they get ground up with the real wheat, and so God said, let them grow up together. It's like it is in the church now. We're all growing up together. But God knows who's really his. He knows who's serving him. He knows who's doing his will. I would rather be doing God's will, even if I don't like my portion right now, than to not be doing his will and to wind up being harvested out with the tares. You got me? So it's always good to stay faithful to God because the angels will be the ones who will carry out God's final judgment in the end times. Amen. All right. So why don't we take our quiz now. Everybody take the quiz. It's an open book quiz. Amen. Stevie Wonder can get the right.